Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time of the week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and we are super stoked to be here. I am Dave Littlejohn, host of the True Wealth Show, and I got a studio full today for fun reasons. <laughs> so, uh, all right, joining me today, Justin Brogman. And Matt Dixon. Okay. And if you guys don't know, this is so you've got the entire investment team, right? Today is it's the Little John investment team, so it is lit. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's been a while since we've had all three of us in the studio rocking and ready to go all at the same it's, time. It's been a long time. And to be fair, why did it work out this way? Justin's like, mm. yeah. Well, the last time was your hiking trip that you showed up early for right got back early mm -hmm. that was like two years three years ago i think no maybe matt two. was maybe still two. Here. yeah i think yeah. it was two years ago because it, was it wasn't two. last summer but um it was the and you were before. like in your hiking gear even like it looked like you had come straight off the mountain into the studio it I was did. pretty awesome I mosquito did. bites and all came to yes. save us no <laughs> you guys were doing awesome and really uh so the question was whether or not i was going to make it at all Mm -hmm. um, I am. Th this is funny when somebody says this. I'm pleased to report that we have completed our SEC audit, at least for now. Yay. Nice. Okay. So we'll we'll hear back some of the findings and whatnot. Um, for those of you that are wondering what that means, yes, if you if we ever hear the story about, well, there are costs associated with doing business because of regulations. Well, in the securities industry, one of those is the Securities and Exchange Commission. Okay, that is mm -hmm. our regulatory authority. Uh, now. It's based on the size of our business. If our business was below a threshold, then there's the uh, Oregon Securities Department. And so they would be, uh, I think the department is, I don't know. But anyway, they, they're they they're the Oregon version of it. For uh, But there's a federal version if your business is more than a certain size. And for those of you that have listened for a lot of years, you know, thanks to the wonderful, wonderful support of our community and uh, our clientele that have helped spread the word, we've continued to grow. And now we're uh, being regulated at a federal level. Mm -hmm. okay. This does not scare me or concern me or anything. Uh, I'm okay having regulators involved in this one because I would rather us be doing it right. So I, I'm okay with right. getting an audit. Let's catch these things if there was somehow uh, a mistake because it certainly would not be intentional. Uh, that being said, it's part of the cost of doing business too, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, anyway, thanks guys for being ready to rock, uh, and, and you have you have prepared somewhat of an agenda. Yeah, we you? were we were gonna try and talk about what it looks like, what it feels like to be a like a savvy investor. Okay. In today's world. So I want to So I see the intelligent investor outline. Mm -hmm. I actually would like to uh, allow you all to kind of run with that. The interjection I would add to this one is the emotionally intelligent investor mm -hmm. okay? okay which is another thing that i think we ought to work into this one i see a lot of great stuff here and we'll see how far we get uh, but keep in mind for everybody listening i i want you to think for a moment about there's there's two different maybe there's two different main gauges going on here and we all have them some of uh i'm going to call it your emotional compass and then your logical compass Sometimes they point the same way, and sometimes they don't. <laughs> and the question is, can we 
utilize some tools or mechanisms to try to help align those things? Or if they're not aligned, if those compasses are pointing in different directions, how to determine which one to listen to? Mm. Okay? okay. I think that all wraps up in the intelligent investor. So which of you took the lead on this when you started putting it together? Matt. <laughs> Just <laughs> pointing the finger at that guy, that guy. No, well, it was me. What, what was on your mind, Matt, as you well, got this going? I, I wanted to be able to produce some content today that everyone that's listening can relate to. And so we all want to be the best version of ourselves, right? We want Hope to be so. the yeah. best investor that we can be. So I wanted to just throw out some ideas for you to mull over and think about as you walk down the path of investing. And one of the things that I started with was investing in things that you understand. Right. Oh, that's right. like the Warren Buffett truth. Actually, you know who I think originally said that? Who? I think it was Peter Lynch. Really? Right. So for those of you that don't know, Peter Lynch, I think if I remember right, was the number one. Uh, the He managed the Fidelity Magellan Fund, which was the number one performing fund throughout the decade of the 1980s, I think. Hmm. Might have been the 1990s. But I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. And um, one of the things he was famous for was invest in what you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he invested in things that were back in the 80s. You know, you're like, well, why would that? He also I think he was the guy that came up with the term bagger, like like a 10 bagger is when you make a thousand percent return on your investment. Mm-hmm. You know, a 20 oh, okay. bagger would be a 2000 because it's, you know, a, a one bagger is I doubled my money. But a 10 bagger is, you know, my ten dollars became a hundred dollars. A 20 bagger, my ten dollars became two hundred dollars. Right. So that was what he was looking for is how can I get these great investments? He also was the one that said toward the end of his career, it got really hard because he got really popular and money flooded into his fund. And he started running out of places to put it. Mm, that's a good right? point. Different, different animal, probably relevant, by the way, when you think about the size of firm you work with and what's going on. Because oftentimes we talk about uh, the way we invest as a firm where we like to buy individual stocks for our customers, right? Mm-hmm. But it looks different at a scale when we're managing, you know, somewhere between one and two hundred million dollars versus when you're managing between one and two hundred billion dollars. Right. Right. Yeah, there's that, a difference. There. That's a different game. So. All right. So anyway, yeah, you're, there, you're there was a this. quote there that I thought was worth throwing out. And it yeah. did actually come from Warren Buffett. And he said, never count on making a good sale. Have the purchase price be so attractive that even a mediocre sale gives good results. That's an adage for real estate too, right? Yeah. You make your money in how you buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's true. Yeah. Okay. And then you said invest in things that have value. Yeah. Is is that not the quintessential definition of investing? Right? Yeah. Like I mean, and it kind of ties back into the first one though. When you think about it, investing in things that you understand and that you know have value, because I've had people propose like hey you should invest in this and then i say well what is it right and they're like well and they can't and they (laughs) they can't put it into words and i'm like well then how do you know that it has value like you have to know what you're investing in and it has to have some something of value to it tricky one right uh i see on your list one of the the couple that you say have no value and uh before i get to this i would ask you Value to whom? It, yeah. Yeah. Because if someone is willing to pay for it, right. then it has exactly. value. Yeah. Now, I don't know who coined this phrase, but I use it a lot. 
and it's the bigger fool theory. Mm -hmm. okay? And I caution investors out there, beware the bigger fool theory. Justin, you know what I'm talking about. Right, like sort you can buy of, it at yeah. any price as long as somebody there's else a bigger fool it. to yeah. sell it to. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's the the issue is, and and I think this was on your list. Like, so what are some things that have value, that we figure have value, right? Land. Yeah, tangible. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I can put, I can stand on that. There's that's that's a thing. Yeah. Some I think one easy way to define it is something where, you know, almost at any given point someone's going to line up to buy what you have to sell, right? Like it could be land. It could be tulips. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be that kind of day. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so the, the thing about value when I think about it is, and again, let's think like investors for a minute. Okay? Mm -hmm. Value is, it can be recognized or it could be potential. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's also in the eye of the beholder. Okay, to you that real estate may be really valuable. To somebody else, it's useless. So you have to. I, I think it's. Is there going to be other people that agree with you too? Now that sounds a little like the bigger fool theory, and maybe it is, mm -hmm. but maybe it's not. Right when you consider the preponderance of what's going on here, and, and what I mean is the, the like weigh all of the evidence because. Here's an example. Um, you have a company like, uh, and again, I'm going to say this one. This isn't a recommendation, okay? Like, so don't go buy this just because I talk about it. But um, ARM processors, ARM, okay? My okay. understanding is they don't actually manufacture processors. Hmm. They own patents and design protocols to build processors, and then they they farm those out and other people so it's build basically them. just intellectual property right yeah is that value yes yeah because you could sell Maybe. the patents for a while right patents mm -hmm. expire mm -hmm. okay so yeah i mean there's value but that's but for less tangible yeah. than real estate yeah. right so i understand why investing is complex okay mm -hmm. Some of it is, but 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 let's follow this. And why is it get so confusing, right? We could confuse the computer when we say, well, it's you know, if there's value, it's an investment, right? Was there value in crypto? There, it. I mean, there was for a really long time. Yeah, and the answer is, it depends on who's willing to buy it, right? right? Mm -hmm. So value is a little ambiguous at times. It's only valuable if somebody else wants it. But is that the bigger fool theory? It depends. That's a good question. Right? It depends. <laughs> the short answer is probably. Well, we hope not, because one of the things that really drives me nuts about investors or, or about people's, uh, you know, like they, mindset they, towards investing. Well, you hear this about investing. It drives me nuts. We, we're going to have to take a break and we'll unpack it. But I'll, I'll t here's what it is. They say, oh, it's just gambling. Mm -hmm. uh. And I go, oh my goodness, what? So you, if you think investing is just gambling, stick around because we got something to talk about. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Justin Brogerman. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN and 93.9 FM and all the stations. We'll be right back. <laughs> all right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show with this important reminder. 
if you missed the first segment, all the most important stuff that we already said then was said then. Right now, the next most important stuff will be said next, so you shouldn't leave. But if you want to learn what we said, podcast. Yes. It will be recorded. You can see it tomorrow. That was the most ridiculous way to plug a podcast. Well, um, you did it, so that's all that matters. We can you can shame me later for it. So just check out the podcast. The, you know the cool thing about it, if you don't get to subscribe to the show with any regularity, right? Or like if you don't get to listen with regularity, then you can go to like iTunes. You can subscribe, and it will tell you when we post the new ones, mm-hmm. right? And that way you get like the most recent shows, and and you can all the shenanigans. It'll all be there, right? And I think we even cut the commercials out. Yeah. So there you go. You could you could compress the mm-hmm. time down somewhat. And then you can also see, like, I, why were they talking about something and they never came back to it after a weird break? <laughs> well, we're coming back too to this Too many sidebars. One. Too many sidebars. Matt. Yes. Justin. We're here. Investing. Is it gambling? I would say it depends. It depends oh, on what you're investing what in. What you're investing in. Yeah. Okay. So... Let's have some fun with this, right? I'm going to play the role of the od- the cynical audience member, <laughs> okay. and you will be the financial pro for a minute. What do you mean it depends? Well, if you're investing in makeup, is it really that much of a gamble? Because women are going to continue to use makeup. Matthew Dixon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. My wise advice it. for the day. Nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Um, so... Okay, that would be something that we would say is kind of a staple. I'm going to try to corral this a little bit. All right, so I'm going to still bring back the original question. Uh Uh-oh. When is investing gambling? I guess you could say if when going back to does it have value or not, or is it just... Can you give me an example of something where you're like, you don't personally feel like it has a lot of value? Is there anything in that realm where you're just like, I don't know that. Like for me, I know that the the NFTs, right? Like for my own personal self, I can't go invest in them because I look at it and I'm like, I, I, I love this because Matt is walking into my, it's not a trap, right? But it's a framework mm-hmm. that I want people to think about for a minute. It's There's, personal it's, in, a, in it's, a lot of ways. I think it's definitional and it's important, okay? If you think your investment is a gamble, it was never an investment in the first place. Right. That's a it's good way to speculative. say it. It's speculative. Yeah. Okay. okay? It's not an investment if it's a gamble. Right. Mm-hmm. It's okay to speculate. You're just trying to get the language clarified so that people know what I side of the fence they're on. I think it's really right. important because, right, because anymore we live in this world where you – people will try to manipulate the language. And mm-hmm. so let's just talk, talk about what it is, and then we can talk about what it isn't, right? So investing is the expectation of a return, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Now, if, if the probability of a return is lower than the probability of a loss, that to me is speculating, okay? That's how gambling works, right? The, the casino loses sometimes, Right, mm-hmm. they pay out sometimes, but the odds by structure are in their favor, mm-hmm. and then by in, by gambler behavior, even more in their be- favor. That's why they give you a room. <laughs> yeah, so I you mean, continue and cheap food. <laughs> well, there's there's even more to it than that, right? 
uh, what they're what is going on there is something called emotional reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Okay, ha, think about this for a minute. Have you ever just received a gift unannounced or un for for no reason whatsoever from somebody? Yes. Right. You get something, and then what happens? You have to give something back. Right now, I got to do something nice <laughs> right. for them too, or it's going to drive me crazy because the scale's out of balance. Mm-hmm. And so the the casino gets that too. It's like, well, we need a couple things. We we need them to feel good, and we need them to perceive that we've delivered value to them, mm-hmm. and we need to encourage them to stick around too because we need a chance to win our money back. Right. Right. So there's a lot of good reasons for that, but it kind of works on that theory of emotional reciprocity. So. All of this to suggest that I don't think I, I think it's okay to speculate, mm-hmm. right? But I think that needs to be managed, right? If that's why you can say things like lotteries are not for investment purposes, right? Well, duh, because by definition, the probability of loss is significantly higher than gain. And if you're out there going, yeah, but if you won, like, yeah, but if your odds are still effectively zero. You're not going to win. Well, somebody wins. All right, it's true. You have 100% zero odds if you don't play, mm-hmm. but you also have 100% odds of keeping the money that you didn't flush down the toilet <laughs> that way. <laughs> and this is also relevant with a billion-dollar-plus Powerball right now or whatever, right? Uh, but if you won, that'd be really something. You're right. But your odds of one in 66 and some odd million are effectively zero. Right. Right. It's funny, if you were in a room, like there's no room, like it'd be like saying, well, I'm going to try to get be the winner between everybody that lives in New York and California, right? Just all those states, mm-hmm. pick me out of every person here. And you go, that's pretty astronomical odds, right? Right. And yet people will- Hand over that $5. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll do it because- you're saying there's a chance right right it's, it's, it's not technically zero even though it's zero so there's that okay this is where i differ from Derek, who comes on the show too because he's like well you know i'm 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 buying a dream like all right well however you want to frame it yeah <laughs> but it's speculating and he knows that it's like it's not going to impact me and i'm willing to do it great we're cool okay right. just don't think it's going to work right okay um, same reason, like, I, I, they would not build a casino if they didn't figure it was going to work. <laughs> right? It's like, nobody would. So, I wouldn't be an investor if I didn't think it would work. That's value's a good way. Value is a lot easier to track when it starts to become really broad spread. And this is where we get into the nuance. Is it possible, like, again, not a recommendation, but we'll just use a stock as an example. Is it possible that Microsoft could go out of business and you could lose all your money as an investor? Yes. If you were invest totally in Microsoft. Yeah, yeah if you were 100%, all you owned was Microsoft, is it possible? Yes. Yes. Is it probable? No. Probably not. No. And it's not probable because... Of a million quadrillion reasons, we could like talk for the rest of the show and not run out of time to, to, mm-hmm. to reasons. Okay, but it's not zero. Okay, mm-hmm. is it possible that the stock could go down significantly and stay suppressed for a really long yeah. time? Sure. Yeah. yeah, and those odds are higher than it going to zero. Right. Yes. Right. So there are lots of things that could happen. Okay, and there are no guarantees in the world, but it's one of those where you go, well, if you got ninety-five percent odds. Mm-hmm. that it will work, and 5% odds that it won't work. Those are really good odds. 
Mm-hmm. Then Those you are st- investor odds. Right, and then right? you can Not take it even odds. one step further and say, what are the odds that over the next 10 years, Microsoft is worth more in 10 years than it is today at this moment in time? And, mm-hmm. and the odds are very good for so many reasons, mm-hmm. right? Now, the question is, is that the best choice? That's really the question. Or could you go question. somewhere else and do better? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, and now you're getting into the investor game, okay? And then we could talk about some of the things that I think are on your list about being an intelligent investor, which is things like, what are strategies to improve the odds? Okay, Mm -hmm. this comes back to the emotional compass Mm -hmm. I referenced versus the logic compass and how we think through investing. Yep. Okay, so Matt. Yeah. Justin, Mm -hmm. the intelligent investor. I see on here, one of the things it says is, make your money work for you. What, what is that? What do you yeah. mean? What does that mean to you, Justin? Well, I mean, especially you can go a year like this year is you know having no matter how much of money sitting in cash, you're losing purchasing power because of inflation. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. one. And yet, may still have been the best option. Correct. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how crazy is that to think you could have put the money in the mattress? Lost purchasing power and still been better off than being in the market. Right. Do you think that's a permanent circumstance? No. I don't. I don't. You know, I I mean, I think that's very low probability that this lasts Mm -hmm. forever. Because, I mean, as inflation grows, right, like you would think that the value of the company would inflate too a little bit. I would think so. Yeah. So I have this basic premise that I throw at people when they say the end of the world is coming. Okay. And one of them is, do you plan to stop eating forever? I would surely hope not. No. Okay. I mean, like if you no. plan to stop breathing too, okay, <laughs> then, then you're not part of this discussion any longer. Okay. But if you plan to keep eating and breathing, then what you're saying is, all right, I'm going, my life's going to go on. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to spend money. Yeah. There's, so there's two things to keep in mind. One, it, there is an activity to support living. And if you're not farming on your own to produce the food somehow, then you're going to have to acquire it. And that means that there's going to be work and trade mm-hmm. in order to get there. If that mm-hmm. happens, it is in everybody's best interest to preserve a functioning exchange system. Right. So like, oh, well, the dollar is going to disappear and it's all going to be fiat and it's all going to be gone. And well, it's already fiat, but it's all going to just it's all going to implode. We're all going to be, you know, uh, back yeah. to trading clams and feudal system. Like, <laughs> unlikely. It, yeah, it right? really is. Because at what point are you going to quit going and buying things with the dollar? Well, it's people forget things like it's super convenient. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. it's super convenient. And and then you get into. Uh, the, the really extremes. And you know, I can say, look, everybody, if you listen a long time, you know, we talk about like, okay, so I'm a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant dude, right? There, said it. So, you know, Christian dude, I know what the end of the Bible talks about. Mm-hmm. But when people start saying things like, well, you can't use money anymore because it says in Revelations. And I'm like, okay, I think we might be, there might be a stretch here where we're, we're not just in the deep end of the pool, like, we're in the drain. <laughs> like, that, that's not even relevant. So, uh, you know, well, you know, the dollar is the Martin. Okay, stop. Just stop. Let's not reinterpret things to, to serve a narrative here. Let's instead be really pragmatic. I'm more concerned about 
clumsy government decisions because it's short-term, short-sighted and self-serving, positioning us where the U.S. dollar is not attractive as a global reserve mm-hmm. currency anymore, and then the rest of the world gradually migrates toward that effort, which will ultimately diminish how effective the currency is, and that would have a negative impact. Like quality of life changes mm-hmm. because of that, because we're going to lose purchasing power and so forth. It's, I think that's real, but I think the idea that we're going to stop using money. Yeah, and then how? Yeah, I, the, I think you're out to lunch. And the government always wants to get paid, right? Like when the government's forced to, on the verge of having to shut down, what do they do? They just write themselves a check and keep the government going, right? Like they want to get paid. The government needs money. You can't just get rid of the dollar because then how are they going to finance their their own agenda? You have to give enough incentive for everybody to still run the machine a little bit. Mm-hmm. My larger concern, okay, and this, wow, are we off the reservation for a moment here? <laughs> this is my larger concern about political ideologies that suggest, well, you know, nobody's ever done communism right, and I go, yeah, that's the point. Right. Like, take a look. We've tried this before. It's, it's well, never really gotten it right. It's like because human nature doesn't tend that way mm-hmm. because disproportionate effort. This is the idea of like, well, why doesn't everybody get the same playing time on the sports team? Right. Because some people are more talented than others. Right. Well, that's not fair. I don't care about fair. That's their gifting. Right. And it's why some people are swimmers and some people are runners and they don't achieve both typically. Right. Because they're different. Mm hmm. <laughs> And the problem is you just can't make everybody the same, and so it doesn't work, right? And you you can't keep the incentives at play because that's not what motivates humans. So all this to say, I think there's a huge incentive for capitalism to save itself. Mm -hmm. Huge. And if so, the probabilities, if I had to play them out, are like, then I would invest more like there's a probability of eventual recovery than anything else right because you know what if i'm wrong who cares our money's all worthless and it didn't matter anyway <laughs> right. all right it's but, true. but if i'm right and the 99.9 percent chance plays out <laughs> right or better it's it's kind of like the lottery thing you can guarantee the loss or you can keep the money uh then you can because again statistically that's how it plays out mm-hmm. well in this case i'm gonna play the stats i think that i'm still willing to invest in quality companies and then we just need to talk about how do we do it Mm. All right. So my quiz to you guys, what are some things that people can do to become more intelligent investors after the obscene profit break we need to take right now? Okay. All right. I'm going to make you think about this during the break because our listeners got to know. We need like, can we come up with five? We can. Let's shoot for five tips and tricks that every investor needs to know. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. Justin Bruggerman. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240. Thank you, Ian. All right, music's playing. We get to talk some more. <laughs> Welcome back, crew, to the True Wealth Radio Show, where Justin and Matt have promised me that they have got at least five pro tips for the intelligent investor. David, we're fired up. We're ready to go. <laughs> All <pumped>. right. <laughs> and, and I have to remind everybody before we do this, okay, the disclosure is like you can give tips here, but these are not necessarily with personal context. Yes. So I will be careful about like don't go just do something reckless and be like, well, I heard the guys on the radio and it's their fault. 
no, don't be dumb. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but let's hear the tips first, and we'll see if we have to do any more disclosure than that. Who's who's got number one? I've got this, right. David. I'm ready. All right. So my tip is don't get greedy. We don't can get, get yeah. Greedy. Don't get greedy because we can get trapped in this mentality of like chasing the highest return, and that can burn. If I'm a long-term investor, what does that mean? If you're a long-term investor, yeah. If I'm going to buy it and hold it for 20 years, how do, am I going to be? Well, greedy? here's here's the problem. Okay. If you come out of the gate super greedy and you're investing in maybe some companies that are more speculative, say you get burned early, right? Okay. You could end up losing out on the potential to invest in a company that has a little bit more of a slow and steady growth pattern. So I'm saying just don't get overly greedy. Put all of your money into more speculative investments and then hamper your ability to grow over the long run. All right. Now, does like that you just told me uh, back to that original premise too of like, hey, if you get greedy, you could find yourself speculating instead of investing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that could burn you. Yeah. So yeah. like the don't don't can I add to it then don't get greedy and lose sight of your investment objective? Yes. I like, I like that. I like it. Justin. I'm going to go with build a risk appetite. A risk appetite. So I had a big lunch. It's right. false. But I, what so do you mean by a risk appetite? Understanding what your risk tolerance and what your, you know, your expectations of losses versus gains. Walk me through a little bit about what that means. It's the upside downside exposure that you're willing to take um, over a specific period of time, I guess. So if I've got $300,000 and I just cannot bear the thought of losing a thousand dollars, then my the risk, risk is pretty probably darn pretty low. low. Yeah. Okay. So I, what I'm, what I'm doing for our listeners right now is just making sure that we have full context. Everybody mm -hmm. that's listening, understand that most investments, if they are at risk, can float both up or right. down in value. And so what you're suggesting is you should sort of know in advance how much you're willing to let something float downside mostly. Right. Because I've never seen anybody mad about like, I can't believe how much money I made. That's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I've never heard that. Yes. But I have heard the opposite of like, man, the markets are down. This stinks. Mm -hmm. Why is my account losing money? So sort of develop a risk appetite and you're talking about like what's what's the what's the tolerable amount of downside right. or fluctuation that you could stomach in a you know defined kind of time frame too okay mm, yeah. that's go. a good point I, justin I think, by the way everybody those subtle but super important right if you are willing to let investments fluctuate but you're watching it like by the minute Mm -hmm. You're you're not investing. <laughs> Justin just tipped crazy. me into my my second point, which is patience is a virtue, and good things come to those. Who so wait. number three on our list, mm -hmm. but number patience. two on Matt's list. Yeah, that's okay. right. <laughs> number two on my list. Patience is a virtue. Yeah, we had to get to ten now. Five each, huh? Right. Oh man, um, five okay, so each. Patience. That wasn't part yeah. of this. This was five overall. <laughs> but yeah, no, patience is a virtue. So good things come to those who wait. Um, but I'm also going to play the flip side of that coin and say, don't be afraid to realize when you made a mistake and get out of a bad investment, right? Like, don't be so anchored to something that you can't see objectively. If be able to move stink. on. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so 
How do you make that decision? This is I'm I'm going to ask you this, mm -hmm. and and I have something in mind, but I'm really trying to play Socrates here, um, because that emotional compass mm -hmm. can get pretty erratic here. So, how do you look at an investment and determine whether it's good or bad? I think one of the pieces is before you invest, having a set of boundaries, maybe right, okay. some guardrails of saying. Well, as long as the investment is within this, you know, set of numbers, mm -hmm. I'm I'm feeling pretty comfortable with that. But, you know, if it starts to to dwindle way below that point and it's been there for a while, maybe you just need to accept the fact that the ship has sailed and it didn't produce the way yeah. you expected it to. I'm going to I'm going to leap in here and say something too for the benefit of our listeners because this is uh, a litmus test, okay? Not a guarantee that this works, but it's a good litmus test, okay? One of the things that you want to be careful of is what is commonly referred to as anchoring bias, mm -hmm. right? It's the idea that, well, I bought it for this price and now I'm lower and I don't want to lose money, so therefore it's changing my decisions or so forth. Mm -hmm. Pretend for a moment, and this is very hard to do, it requires tremendous mental discipline, okay? <laughs> Pretend that you don't own it and walk in as if you had money in your pocket and the question is would you buy it today okay okay if you had money in your pocket is this investment interesting today and if the answer is yes then there's a that's a good indication not a guarantee but a good indication that your anchoring bias is swaying your decisions mm -hmm. okay if the answer is no i wouldn't buy it today first you need to make sure you're not hung up on your anchoring bias right but that would be a pretty good uh, way to sort of check that emotional versus logical mm -hmm. compass. Okay, so anyway, patience is a virtue. I agree. We're we're three deep on this list. No. We are. I'm going to go with consistent investments. Consistent investments. So, are you talking about what you buy or how you buy it? Uh, when you buy it, when and how buy often it. you buy. Say right. so going into the dollar cost averaging mm. instead of say you know when you're say large sump say on l large lumps say on annual basis you're kind of playing the timing game because of right. when and that money is coming top or the bottom right. chunks in at once and so if you're making consistent investments you're getting the swings up and down and buying cheaper on down markets and buying you know more expensive on up markets but you're averaging a better you know what makes long term that cool price. too the emotional compass really isn't even in play right right because you're just look this is the program if the markets are down mm -hmm. i'm putting the same amount in this time as i did last month and this month i get to buy more cuz it's on sale mm -hmm. and then next month i'll buy some more and then the month after that i'll buy some more and what you'll do is you'll keep accumulating and if if the if the price of something is getting lower you're accumulating more at a right. cheap price in anticipation of price recovery. Mm -hmm. can, no. I, can I add my fourth point right here? This is a perfect time for it. Yes, you can. So it's, this is going to sound really simple, and someone's going to be like, really, that's your advice? And I'm going to say, yes, yes, it is. Diversify. Really? If you that's keep, your advice? Yeah, it is, because if you just <laughs> keep dollar cost averaging the same thing over and over and over again, what if it doesn't climb higher? What if you just keep buying the same asset over and over <laughs> and over <laughs> again <Sorry. laughs> it just keeps going lower yes i mean i i think that that is and a people, huge strategy point right and, and remember, it pains me david 
people hmm. people will say, hey, I, I really think I should put my entire IRA into gold. And I yes. hear it often. And I'm just like, oh, but what if gold decreases in value and you need the money? And well, no, because if everything collapses, gold will still be there and I can use it. Yeah. Then I go, are you going to put it in a safe somewhere? No. No, we're going to put it somewhere. Well, then how are you going to get the gold that you own? Mm. Uh, I hadn't really thought that. They'll through. take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. It hurts me. It pains me, David. Well, I I really think this is a separate note before our last point. That 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 first of all, you're right. I think diversification is a good strategy because you don't put all your eggs in one basket for lots of reasons. We talked about it many times. When somebody comes to me and says, "I want to put everything in gold," that really is, to me, there's there's a bit of a, an emotional cry at mm-hmm. that moment because you're done investing if you're willing to throw all the rules out. Mm, right, you're yeah. saying at that point, I'm willing to concentrate in a single asset and speculate I'm to to give up on uh, all of the other marketplace elements of capitalism, and like I'm throwing in the towel and just hoping that I can somehow preserve things by dumping everything into this one spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, or the flip side is the cry for help, where it's more like I'm putting everything into one position, and you go equally disastrous but for different reasons mm-hmm. right because it, it's it makes it binary it's an all or nothing event it either mm-hmm. works or it doesn't and if it doesn't work you're sunk yep okay so i agree that diversification is part of it and when i hear somebody tell me i want a gold ira and i'm like why <laughs> right because you need to unpack this with me that all of a sudden we got some head trauma as an investor to, to uh, deal mm-hmm. with all right Justin, point number five. Lead us home, Justin. We need one I'm more. I'm going with the amazing advice. Start early. Start early, yeah. Never that's, underestimate that's, compound that's, interest. That's right. Start, yeah, early and often, right? Just like voting. Jeez. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, so, that joke never gets old. No, it does not. So, yeah. I mean, that's, it's certainly, if you have that opportunity, mm-hmm. yes. Um, what what I will tell you is for many people that could be really demoralizing if you like, but I didn't start early. Now, right. well, you should have started earlier. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Thanks for the help, jerk. What would you say to that person, David? I would say it's not too late, right. but it changes. The, so what happens is your risk appetite goes from what you're comfortable with to what you have to do. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're just backed into a corner and go, well, I don't really want to do this, that, and the other. So you can either guarantee failure or you can change your risk tolerance and in give order your to, chance a, yeah, a, a, a because you're, you're, if you're on a track for failure anyway, it's like, well, do you want a hundred percent track of failure or less than a hundred percent track of failure? Right. So you're just playing the odds again, but it's, it's, it is tricky. What I will say is, uh, we're not going to go into it on this show today, but the concept of like the retirement rescue is still possible, but it's less likely to occur with the stock market. Ooh, right. Can that be uh, next week's show? We you remind me. We can bring this back. <laughs> um, I continue to believe the stock market is fantastic because it's liquid and it's easy and it's super super passive. Like you don't really have to do anything but put the money in there and let it do the work for you. But if you are way behind the power curve of time, you may need to inject sweat equity into the equation, and you can't do that in the stock market the same way. So there are other things that one can do that can still potentially help to mitigate decision, like lost opportunity. Doesn't guarantee it. But again, we don't have time today. What we do have time for, though, is 
our last obscene profit break. Yeah. Yep. So stick around, gang. We got to take this one. And then when we come back, a couple final thoughts. I think we could squeeze one or two more investor tips out of uh, Matt and Justin here. And oh. let's not forget our financial terms, but we got to take this break first. <laughs> this is Dave Little John and Justin Bergman and Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM at 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to. The True Wealth Radio Show. Don't forget, you can get caught up on the podcast, which is cool, right? It'll be there. So go to our webpage at littlejohnfs.com, and you can get all of the the fun updates here. But we are on the home stretch today, and Justin and Matt have joined me in studio today, which has been fun. And we are going through tips for the intelligent investor, okay? Which means if you're an idiot, don't do these. <laughs> <laughs> right? Perfect. Right? If you're not intelligent, then you don't have to do these. Well, what All if right. they find themselves in a position where, like, crap, I've been doing a lot of these things? What, you know, then they, they clearly they're intelligent. Er, right? Yeah. Okay. Er. Er. <laughs> er. So it's uh, an intelligent pirate, exactly. So <laughs> what? What do we do? Uh, we got. We had five. Right. What's the summary? Five. Five points. One of them was don't get greedy. Mm-hmm. Number two was. Develop a risk appetite. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Number three was don't chase the highest. Ret- oh yeah. Yeah. Don't chase the highest return. Right. And mm-hmm. number four was, was dollar cost average. Correct. And number five was super lame. S- I thought diversified. It was diversified. <laughs> that was okay. amazing. And number six. What is number six, Justin? Ooh. Yeah. We've we've given out our five little nuggets of gold okay david you know we've given five i think it's your turn yeah you want me to rattle off five too no 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 i just want you to give us one <laughs> like put put one in there that we haven't talked well about i yet. think well, i snuck one in there that is uh you can you can check your emotional compass by saying would i still buy something today right mm-hmm. if i walked in would i buy it today um the other thing is i would suggest that uh, you, you sh- when Justin mentioned, but I think you should time bind some of your decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the other is I wouldn't get married to your decisions. Okay. Right. Uh, there things do change, right? And so it is wow. okay to change. One of the things I would suggest also is when in doubt, a third party perspective can be useful, right? Uh, this is kind of mm-hmm. like you can't give yourself dating advice. Right, you're just too into it. You're going to do dumb stuff. Sometimes you need somebody else who's not caught up in that emotional hamster wheel, looking from the outside in to help you have a level head. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the benefit of having a third party advisor. You don't have to work with a financial pro, right? You really don't. Um, I tell this to people all the time. You know why financial professionals exist? Mostly because people don't want to. Mm-hmm. or they're afraid to, or they don't have time to. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if they're afraid, that's the same as don't want to. That's just the yeah. reason you don't want to, right? But it's either you don't have time or you don't have the desire, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the tools are actually available, yeah. okay? Now, it's debatable whether or not a financial professional will produce a superior result, specifically in the investment landscape. Right. Because believe it or not, it's actually really hard to outperform some of the major indexes. They're pretty well designed, 
They have a good way of recruiting in the new players that are decent and firing the ones that aren't. Mm -hmm. And they bias to the ones that are working. So it's actually very hard to outperform that structure. It's a good structure. Nevertheless, there are some things that you do give up if you're just trying to like buy the index, right? You give up some control from a tax perspective, mm -hmm. okay? The other thing is uh, you give up the ability to lean into one direction or another, right. okay? Uh, the, the reason though that I think from a financial professional perspective, let's pretend that you can't get performance for like, like, like investment performance. So like you're not gonna get outperformance from a financial professional. Well, let's just assume that's true. And then worse than that, it's going to be a financial lag. It's going to cost more. The mm -hmm. problem is you don't know about the mistakes that you could avoid that may cost mm -hmm, even more right. than what you would pay them. That's and that's true. where most people make the mistake is that unforced errors are the most costly. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's true. So that would be my final tip is avoid unforced errors. And you could do that through having a good team surrounding you and having How did, an accountability structure. What if someone needs a good team? They call us at 541-375-0898. Before we punch out, we have our financial term of the day. This one is fun. Connectication. Oh Connectication. Connectication. All right. So what does that mean, Justin? Ooh. Connectication. Connectication. In 10 seconds. Is where you, you connect all of the right stocks in the same year and you just slay. You just you just killed it. It's yeah. connectication. Connect like connect four. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna define this as connectication is when you sell one investment to purchase another while intentionally harvesting a tax loss. Ooh. All right, okay. we got to run, gang. Why do you We're have out to time for now? Uh, until next time, how do they reach us? Five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight. Justin, Matt, thanks for joining us. We gotta rock. This has been the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 93.9 FM at 12:40 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.